0: So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, and we're going to continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Remember last time I told you it took me 14 minutes and some seconds to read the entire Sermon on the Mount. I'm looking at it from a different perspective than I ever have, actually. Maybe it's because I've grown in my understanding of the language, uh, but uh, let's remind us again here. If you have your smartphones or tablets out here, and those that are watching by home, you'll see a, you'll see a map here. You've got Caprinium and just to the left of Caprinium or west of Caprinium uh, is where Jesus taught, the Sermon on the Mount. And you, last week, you'll notice the the contour of that mountain. We made a comparison with Moses and Jesus. Moses going to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, Jesus now talking about the kingdom of God. And by way of review of last week, the first one we talked about salvation. Jesus was bringing not just, and I said this last week and I mean it, and it's even more ingrained in me after the studies of this week and already studying into next week, When, when Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit he was talking about those who realize they have nothing to bring to the table it wasn't oh they're just so poor in spirit no Jesus was talking about salvation he was talking about the starting point for salvation happy are those who know they bring nothing to the table and then uh, he had mentioned last week about blessed are those who mourn those who are broken over their sin And then thirdly, I mentioned the fact that Jesus started with discipleship, which he will expand in the rest of these chapters 5, 6, and 7. The starting point for discipleship, once you have encountered the cross, it is blessed are those who are meek. You cannot leave the cross the same way you came to it. There is a change that takes place in the heart and life of the believer. So at that point, the believer walks in humility realizing that they bring nothing to the table and it is only by the grace of God that they have been saved, that they have been brought into a relationship with him, and that they are now able to walk in a relationship with God based on his grace. Listen, salvation from start to finish is about the grace of God. We never outrun the grace of God. We always live in the grace of God. So Jesus, of course, says, blessed are the meek, those who have understood salvation, those who realize they are poor in spirit, those who are broken before him, have invited Christ into their heart, and as they leave the cross, they walk in humility, which was countercultural of a day. Humility was something that was seen as weakness. But Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Then the first thing, one of the first things that happens or should happen in the life of a believer, we talked about it last week, was a deep desire for God. What we read was this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, one of the key characteristics of a believer is a hunger and a desire for God. You see how Jesus is, is unpacking this. In the audience listening to this, maybe some Pharisees who were writhing because they realized that Jesus was talking about a relationship. He wasn't talking about a set of rules and regulations, which he will. But first and foremost, it is a heart issue, it is a matter of. Of the heart. Now that uh, Ian Campbell, one of my favorite theologians, he wrote this. To list these characteristics is to be aware of two things. And you really need to catch this. This is important for those that are watching by Facebook too. First, that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a kingdom of the heart. That's where it starts. It is a kingdom of the heart yes it is a real kingdom and jesus is a real king but the life of the kingdom is principally a spiritual life a matter of the heart and it has to be a matter of the heart before it can be anything else in other words you can look good externally and be morally bankrupt morally needing salvation i don't know how many people i've run into that that they're so hard on the outside and, and so rigid. And usually what happens to those people is they wind up failing to meet their own expectations. That's because they've never really had a heart transformation. There's been no inward change. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. This is first and foremost. Jesus is a spiritual encounter, not a set of laws and rules and regulations that you obey and you're some somehow right with God. No, it starts with the heart. And that's what Jesus was going after here in these first few verses. He was going after the heart. So then he begins to expand the characteristics. And I'm only doing three verses today because every time I sit down to restudy the text, I get three or four notes that I've written and I go, okay, I can't possibly preach six verses today. So I'm breaking the first 12 verses up into three sermons. Happens to me every time. I don't know why, but it does. (laughs) All right, number three. Number three is this. Show compassion to others. Notice verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Remind everybody that uh, the the word for blessed is makarios, which means happy, an inward happiness. And it's used nine times in these verses. So every time Jesus says blessed, 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 he's saying happy are those who mourn because they realize that they have received Christ. They have, they've, they've been sorrowful for their sin. So of course they're inward. So there's there's kind of a dual uh, uh, a dual play here. And notice that these are always formed in couplets. Blessed are the merciful. The couplet is, they will receive mercy. The word mercy, lemeno, lemeno, And it means to show compassion or to have pity on someone. I'm very, I don't like sharing stuff that happens to me in my personal life because I don't want it to be like look at pastor look at what he did Uh, that's not my that's not my intention two Saturdays ago uh, six in the evening uh, there was a man that had some bags over here on the side of the tree and he walked to the door and he knocked on the door and he said uh, are you the Baptist pastor here in town and I said yes I am he said well good because a lady pointed me to your house and he said, I, I need a ride to Tuscola. He said, I need to go to the police department there because they have a ticket for me to spend the night. Like I said, it was in the evening. I can't remember now if I delayed dinner or not, but uh, I put him in my car and we drove him down there. And one thing that I noticed about him is, is he smelled His clothes were rancid. As we drove a little bit further down the road, I started realizing this guy is highly educated. I could tell that from the way he talked. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm trying to get to Ohio because I do... an." A ministry with the Amish and he's talking to me about the Masoretic text and uh, he's talking to me about all these deep things of God and I'm thinking to myself wait a minute the average church person has no idea concept of that so as we get about halfway down I heard his stomach grumbling And I said to him, when was the last time you had something to eat? And he said, Pastor, I had a half of a sandwich this morning that somebody gave me as they drove by. I said, well, when we get to the police station, we're going to get you something to eat. And so the whole process took about 3 hours cuz we had to wait for the sheriff to come, we had to wait for the state for the police to come. I wound up taking him out to getting something to eat and then I took him to his hotel. And driving back, I remembered, "Blessed are the merciful. Those who have compassion." and i thought wow so see guys this is really about having compassion for people it's about showing mercy it's jesus is trying to get us to change our perspective somebody that has truly been born again, renewed of the Spirit, they have a heart for God. They hunger and thirst for righteousness and they feed those who are hungry themselves. And Jesus says here very plainly, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. If you want mercy in your life, give mercy. Some scholars point to Micah Six, eight, and I'll remind us all of that verse. has he told you, old man, what is good, and what it, what does the Lord require of thee, but to walk to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Some scholars tie this to this this particular uh, verse here with merciful it, it is a good reminder that if you did these three things in your Christian life to do justice to give people. Uh, to live your life doing what is right and to love kindness, to help strangers, and to walk humbly before your God, you would be on the road to knowing what Jesus is about. I got a picture here of a man comforting a woman who is crying. That's our job. That's our job, is to comfort people when they are hurting. And why do we do this? John Stott in his commentary says this, Our God is a merciful God and shows mercy continuously. Listen to this. The the citizens of his kingdom must show mercy too. Somewhere as that man was talking, I was thinking, I really don't want to do this. Audrey, she said, if you're not back in a couple hours, I'll, I'll call. And it was like three hours, but... I had texted her and told her things were fine. We need to to look and be merciful to people. Secondly, we're to be solely devoted to God. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I have a totally different perspective on this verse now. Because if you're reading this and you're just... Casually reading through, of course the pure in heart will see God someday. We're going to see him face to face, right? That's, that's the goal. <laughs> uh, we, we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We live with him day in and day out. And then when we die, we see him face to face. And that's absolutely true. But that's not exactly what Jesus is saying here. And I'm going to walk us through this. Mecadios, inward happiness. Are the pure, aros, ritually clean, clear of responsibility. Rudolf Meyer in the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament writes this, kind of gives us a preview of what Jesus was saying. The purity of the New Testament community is personal and moral by nature. It consists in full and unreserved self-offering to God which renews the heart and rules out any acceptance of what is against God. That's the full definition here of this word. It's a two-edged sword. On one end, we devote ourselves to him. We wholly devote ourselves to following God every day. On the other end, we rule out anything that could possibly interfere with that relationship that we have with God. That is, we don't toy with sin. We don't let anything impure come into our hearts. We don't let anything of the world in. We reject that. We push it out. And so Jesus is saying blessed are the pure in heart, those who have devoted themselves, those who have given their lives. Peter says it this way. Paul says it too. Be holy for I am holy, says the Lord. Yeah, on one end we're to be pure. That is we we push things away but on the other is that our lives day in and day out is an offering to him you do realize when you get out of the bed on, on, or you get out of the bed tomorrow morning, Monday morning your whole goal that day is to please God with your life pleasing God with your life means that you have a hunger and thirst for him pleasing God with your life means that you're merciful and, and you show mercy to others you show compassion it's living your life in a way that pleases God that doesn't just happen on Sunday that happens Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and then repeat the cycle over and over again so Jesus says blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God this is where I made the biggest change the word see is the word "horo," and that word means experience God Now think about that for just a second. As we've looked at it before, it could read, Blessed are they pure in heart, for someday they shall see God. No. What Jesus is saying is (laughs) that if you live for me and you are wholly devoted to me and you are dedicated to me and you are set apart, the word holiness means to be set apart. If you're set apart from God, you will experience him. That's where, that's where it happens. It is as we are living our lives, we experience God. I don't know if you remember this. Um, well, one of, the, one of the issues that the Pharisees had was the heart. I got a picture of here with Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Of course, it's from a movie. It's not actually Jesus. But cardia is the word for the heart and it doesn't mean the physical heart he's talking here about the spiritual heart the inward seat of emotions thoughts feelings how we process things in our daily lives this is what this is what the pharisees did not get the pharisees didn't they didn't get this They had the law. The scribes gave them the law. They had the Torah. And you live by that. And you persecute anybody that doesn't. That would have ruled out a lot of Gentiles. Because the Gentiles weren't even allowed in. The Pharisees' hearts were hard. That's why Jesus had so much trouble with them. Because they were religiously good but their heart was far from God. You can have, you can look good outwardly, but inwardly, no. This is exactly what happened. I don't often share my personal study notes, but this is what I wrote. I even put a note here. My personal note during the study of the sermon. God gave me this. The kingdom of God is a heart issue, not a liturgical exercise. We sometimes think that we go to church, we sing a few songs, we talk about God maybe once a week, we're good to go. (laughs) Or, we follow a set of rules, and if we just follow these rules, that we're good to go. Brothers and sisters, that will not get you into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is first and foremost a heart issue. Jesus says here, for they will see God. I want to come back to this. That means those who have been transformed in the heart will experience God. Not in that day, although that is absolutely true. Someday when we leave this world, we will see God face to face. But what Jesus is saying here is, if you want to experience God now, live for him wholly, and you will experience him now. That you will have a daily encounter with God. Uh, years ago, uh, Henry Blackaby, you may know him. I met him in 2005. We we had a, I don't know, a 10-minute 10 10 minute conversation uh, about his book experiencing God and if you remember back from the 90s I'm even thinking about taking us through this again on Wednesday nights I'm, I'm praying about it uh, his premise is that God is at work all around us God is at work all around us and he desires a personal relationship with us and as we see God walk around us or work around us he invites us to join him in that work now, we leave that work, and it always, when you know, you see something happening, you go, wait a minute, God, is this from you? I mean, I'm seeing this, this issue here, and God, do you want me to do something with this issue that's in front of me? That's, that's called experiencing where God is working. And see, those that are sensitive to that would probably see that more readily than somebody that was trying to do good And live by a set of rules and laws. I'm not saying there's not rules and laws in the Bible. We'll get into those. And some of them are pretty hard. In the Sermon on the Mount. But it has to be a heart issue first. You've heard me say this as your pastor for 13 years. It is a heart issue. It is a heart issue. Now. Blackaby says in his book that when God speaks to you about an issue that is around you that it immediately conjures up a moment of crisis. Should I really do this? Let me tell you a personal story. My calling into ministry. When I finally had the dream and I'm not charismatic. You all know me by now. I'm not charismatic. But when I had that dream it was very clear to me that God wanted me to leave the military, which I loved, and he wanted me to go into ministry to a Bible college that I had never seen that was 2,800 miles away. I told my company commander, I was a sergeant promotable, I would have been an E6 and probably moved up the ladder from there, and my my first sergeant said, Sergeant Frazier, why do you want to get out? And I said, because God's called me out of the ministry or out of, the, out of military service to follow him. And he said, okay, well, you know, it's crazy. You have an enlisted evaluated report of 134 out of a possible 135. You're on a promotion list. You're going to make this. And I said, I know I know, top, but I, I've got to go. And the company commander talked with me, tried to talk me out of it. I went back to the States. You all know that whole story, uh, how we wound up in, in Bible college. But I'll be honest with you. There was a moment in that moment where I go, how are we going to make it? We won't have any money. I'm going to tell you something, and Blackaby's right. You have to adjust your life. And that's what he says in number six. You have to adjust your life to be obedient to God. So those that are impure in heart will experience God. You just have to look for him. And I do like what Blackaby says, and I talked to him about this, and I agree with him. If you have trouble hearing God speak, and I'm not talking about you must go here and you must go there. Uh, That's not what Blackaby's saying either. If you have trouble hearing God, you are in trouble at the very heart of your Christian existence. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Uh, If your heart is pure and you are wholly devoted to him and you are blocking out things from the world, you don't let stuff in, you are going to experience Jesus in your life. It happened to me two Saturdays ago when that man came to my door and I looked at him and that was a moment where God says, You want to see me at work? I want you to minister here. Number five, and lastly, help people get along with others. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. This is interesting because we're getting ready to see troubled waters in verses 10 and 11. But at this point, Jesus is kind of rounding out uh, what he sees as the most important aspects of the Christian life as a believer in, in Christ. And one of those is to help people get along with each other. Blessed, Makadios, that's inward happiness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Ereinopois. And And that word means to restore relationships between people. It's person to person you're trying to bring peace. You know, when there's trouble in the church when there's trouble in a church and there's trouble between Christians, a believer should stand up and go, you know what, we need to work to bring reconciliation. There should never uh, there should never be angriness in a in a church. That's not of God. We don't have that here. Thank thank the Lord for that. But as you live your Christian life, you're to be you're to be a peacemaker. You're to be somebody that works to say, "Look, you know what? Years ago, I had two men in my first church. Um, they would not get along, and so." Had nothing to do with this verse actually. I just a pastor. I wanted to bring them together, and and I went to this person and I said, you know what? What is your what is your issue? And so he told me. And then I went to this person uh, and I said, what is your issue? And so I I, I tried to bring them together. Uh, Paul says, as, as much as possible, be at peace with all people, as it depends on you. So I tried to bring them together. Never got them reconciled, but I made the effort. We need to be about that and the reason is because God has brought us peace in the presence of Jesus Christ. You see our relationship with Christ forces us to walk humbly to desire the things of God to be obedient to him to lock out push out anything that is not of him and then this is an interesting phrase Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The word sons there is creos. You know why I've been saying all along the Sermon on the Mount, these first 12 verses, is all about discipleship? It is right here. Jesus exposes what it is. For they shall be called sons of God. The word sons is the word creos, and that means a follower of God of theos theos meaning god the one true god in essence jesus is saying those that work for peace those that hunger and thirst for righteousness those that walk in meekness because they've been redeemed by the blood of christ which will come up in jesus's earthly ministry he'll go to the cross pay for our sins really jesus is saying this is the essence of discipleship, we look at that and we go. Well, sons of God means yeah, I'm a child of God. No, Jesus target he uses this word krios very specifically. A follower of Theos, a follower of God, a disciple of God. So it's much more than just being called a son of God. It's being called a follower of God. Somebody that employs verses. Two through up to now, that is a follower. That's why Jesus, I believe in my heart, this is absolutely correct, that Jesus here in these first few verses is talking about discipleship. And then we could talk about Diedrich Bonhoeffer, the cost of discipleship, the next week. Blessed are those that persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. That's the apex of the Christian life. That's what happens when you live for God in a fallen world. You are not liked. You are despised. You are treated badly. I don't want to get into all that now, but but it's, it's, it's enough to say here that when Jesus uses this word krios, there's only one meaning, and that means to be a follower. And when we look at the word follower, we're talking about discipleship. I got a picture here of a woman in the middle bringing two, I think probably her daughters together. Followers of God bring peace between people. That's what we do. That's what we work for. Paul says in Romans 12:8, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are peacemakers. Wow, I, I was secretly asking God to bring the sun out. <laughs> that worked. I was a little bit nervous when it first started. John 14:27 Jesus says this peace I leave with you this is the kingdom my peace I give to you I do not give to you as the world gives push the things out do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ So let's wrap this up in conclusion show compassion show mercy you know, get a different view, a different lens of how you view people. Secondly, be solely devoted to God. And, and, and that conveys making sure that you're set apart for him each day. And that you block those things out that do not belong to him. And that you seek to do what Christ tells you to do on a daily basis. And then lastly, help people get along. Maybe there's, uh, you know, two Christians that are arguing or having trouble getting along. Maybe a good idea. I know you don't want to get involved in it probably. You don't like to. But um, part of being a disciple is to try to bring peace just like Christ brought peace to your heart. That's what I have for you.